Hey, it's Shane here. Throughout the majority of my career, I spent thousands of hours on my technique to try to be as close to perfect as I could be. But the one thing I didn't work on was my mental skills. On the exact mindset I needed every ball to be able to access all of my technical skills that I worked so hard to develop. Well, I've recently released my book, Winning the Inner Battle, which has all of the information that you will ever need to deeply understand how you can create the correct mindset for you so that you can bring the best version of yourself every time you step out into the middle. Go to shamewatson.au to purchase a copy of Winning the Inner Battle now. It is available in paperback, ebook, or audiobook versions. Well, it's now time for your episode of Lessons Learned with the Greats. Enjoy. Second test in Port Elizabeth, and I'll, I probably haven't said this to too many, but I actually thought that was my last test. I was that I was not bowling well. Hashem Amler was treating me like a bowling machine. Wherever I bowled the ball, he hit it for four, as well as AB de Villiers. And I finished that test match, and I remember sitting down with Craig McDermott back at the hotel, saying, "Mate, I, I, I'm in trouble. I reckon I'm in trouble. I reckon I'm, I'm not. I, I can't feel the ball. Wherever I put the ball, I'm getting hit." He, he called me. He said, he "Said, shut up, you dickhead." I said, "What?" what what, oh man, I'm I'm struggling here. You put your guys name up. He said, you, 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 "What I've seen, yeah, you've you know you've gone for a few more than what you normally would." He said, "All it is is you've been tested for the first time, probably the first time in your career." Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lessons Learned with the Greats. I'm Shane Watson, and today is another very special episode for me. I saw this guy bowl for the first time at an Australian Under 19 Championships in Adelaide way back in 1998. And how special it was to then go on to share a lot of very special moments on the cricket field playing test cricket for our country. It was such a treat to have this guy taking the new ball for your team as he was a match winner, knocking over the best batsman in the world so consistently. He was a fairly late starter at the international scene, debuting at the age of 29, but my word, didn't he make his mark from then on? Ryan Harris, thank you so much for being on my show. Yeah, what a great, great to be on your show, mate, and what a great show it is. I've listened to a lot of these podcasts, and they're fantastic. So I feel very privileged to be on a on a show such as this with that with you know with so many great names you've had on here. So thank you for having me. Thanks, mate. I'm glad you enjoyed them. Here we go. I'm gonna <laughs> gonna dig in some very exciting stuff. I can't wait. Um, yeah. Rhino debuted in 2010 and immediately became one of the best fast bowlers in the world. For the five years that he played international cricket. He battled consistently with injuries, as <laughs> as I knew all too well as well. But what an impact he had on not just Australian cricket, but world cricket too. In Rhino's 27 test matches that he played, he took 113 wickets at an incredible average of 23.52 with five five-wicket hauls. In his 21 one-day internationals, he took 44 wickets. <laughs> it's more than two a game at an amazing average of 18.9. For me, the reason why Rhino achieved these incredible numbers was that he was he was fast, pushing the speed gun consistently between 145 to 150 Ks. He swung the ball away from a right-hander and into a left-hander. Then he bowled a ball that looked exactly the same, but went straight on or seemed in, <laughs> which was a challenge for any batsman. Um, and the thing that was probably the absolute key was Rhino's length that he bowled, which was immaculate. He was always hitting the stumps. 
So you're always asking questions. Always trying to do that, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, you had a lot of amazing highlights during your career, mate. Um, and for me, the absolute standout was your Ashes series here in Australia in 2013-14, where you took 22 wickets during that series at an incredible average of 19.31. Bowling in tandem with the man of the series, our great mate, Mitch Johnson. Yep. Rhino, what do you remember about that time? I remember sitting, as you would have, and you had a, you had a great view sitting at first slip, watching Jono destroy the the palms. I guess that was that was the that's the memories, great memory I have. Oh, look, I think the memory, the best memory I have of that, or the whole memory I have of that, is is just that time in Australian cricket where it was we we had a lot of success, but we had a squad that were just so close. I think I thought we were just so close. We were great mates. Everyone, you know, we had so much fun. Um, it obviously helps winning, um, but I mean, before that, we go back a step. Before that, we we come from England where we hadn't sort of won. We lost. We should have won. We didn't. But even still, and I've said this a number of times over the years, and I and I and I say I don't like saying it because we even even that that uh, tour when we lost in England, we still had fun and we still had a great time, although we lost. And I don't like saying that because you don't like losing, but. Um, we, we, I think it was because we knew we had a great squad together. We knew we were close. We knew uh, we were real close winning. We should have won that that series, no doubt about that. But we we just knew that um, coming back home that we, we were we were going to destroy those guys after after what they did, you know, winning that series against us. And the group that we had was going to do that. And that you know, going through that series, um, you know, it's just as, as I said. You mentioned Mitch. Mitch, and that you know, was great. I remember sitting down talking to Sid and Sid Pete Siddle and just thinking, "How good's this? We're getting we're getting these wickets, <laughs> and we're not going for many runs." And Mitch is scaring the shit out of him. <laughs> so you know, it was just a great. It was just a, and in the in the team we had the great bowling unit. You know, you and Lino and you know and, and Sid's Mitch and I, and it was just it was just a great feel. I don't know. You know. You know, I, I'd, I'd have I'd, any day, any any day of my cricketing career, I'd go back to that series and that that group of guys was just fantastic. Yeah, it's an incredibly special time when you just feel a whole unit connecting, isn't yeah. it? Because it doesn't happen that often. Like throughout yeah. throughout my career and throughout careers, it doesn't happen that often where you just feel this. It's like there's this extra couple of people in the group because the, there's just this aura around the group because just everyone's connected. And yeah, you can and sense it. You can sense it. It's hard to articulate exactly why, but it's just because everyone yeah. gets along so well. You see everyone pushing in the same direction. It's such yeah. a special, such a special feeling. You want to replicate every team you're playing, but unfortunately, it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen. You're right. And and you know we you know when guys guys we don't think we had George Bailey for instance in that mm-hmm. tour who. You know, he was copping some heat from outside, and everyone was like, "Mate, don't worry about it." You wouldn't have known it, and you know George as well as I do, and. You know, George was what what he yes he you know runs wise he didn't get as many as he would have liked or we would have liked but in the team itself you wouldn't even know that George was under the pump because he was the one that was making everyone laugh and having a great time and and you know that that's the sort of environment it was and I think from on on from the team I think the support staff we had as well helped that as well we had some really great people in the, in the support staff I thought Darren was you know got a great group together to, to help lead the players and, and keep the enthusiasm of the players. And it definitely paid off. So you're right. It's you'd love to have that in every team, uh, but you know, unfortunately for different reasons, it may or may not happen. So, uh, but as, again, I, I, I'd do anything to go back to that team in those days. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Me too. Right. You had a lot of very special moments on the career field during your career. Um, is there one moment that really stands out to you the most? Um, I don't think it's one. There's, there's probably two which probably 
go into one <laughs> into one. Um, mm. um, I think the winning the Ashes, as we just spoke about that that period, mm. coming from England losing to winning five nil, um, and then going on virtually what six weeks later to South Africa, mm. and then winning that series in South Africa back to back. That that to me, it's two moments, but it goes into the whole the one thing we we set out after that disappointment of England, and we and we and you remember, I think. We sat down and we we wanted to be. I mean, there was a big push at the time from CA to be number one in the world, and we we you know well, I guess I I got a really bad memory, but sitting down we, we spoke about wanting to be number one, but we we I think we, we we probably put that aside and said let's just go and enjoy ourselves and play good cricket. And if we do that and not worry about that ultimate number one number at the top, we're going to get there anyway. And you know after England. I thought, you know, when we got home, we sat down, we had some really good meetings. I, you know, I remember sitting in Brisbane here and <clears throat> some of the training sessions we had and putting, you know, putting all that energy and, and effort and then going through the summer and then and then straight into South Africa and, and then conquering that as well. South Africa over there are, are, are bloody hard, aren't they? <laughs> they're, they're, a tough, they're a tough team to play at home. Well, they're a tough team to play anywhere, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at home they're, they're hard. Um, the conditions of, you know, the conditions are probably similar to what we're used to. Um, the crowds are... You know, everyone talks about coming to Australia and how hard they are. They're they're mad over there. They're ruthless. <laughs> yeah, they're, they don't give a they don't care what they call you over there, which is which is fine. You know, that was just the part all part and parcel of, of touring. But yeah, uh, yeah, that 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 tour to South Africa. Um, you know that 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 last Test match. Um, you know, going at the end, of the, I, I feel, and I've said it a number of times, if we had got the end of that test match and, and had a draw and it had been a draw, it would have been just like a huge loss for us because we mm-hmm. worked so hard in that test match and. Um, from a bowling bowling unit point of view, we we you know I think we bowled probably 140 overs, I think, or 150 overs in that last innings. Um, I can tell you now, at the end of that Test match, uh, I, it felt like a bus had hit, hit me. And I know Mitch was saying the same, and everyone was saying the same, you and that. So, um, but that that period there, that that little period there, was probably the best moment. Uh, on on going on from probably more debut, <laughs> which is important as well, but. From from that's a personal sort of um, milestone, but from a from a team point of view, and talk about uh, huge moments. That, you know that period of probably what's probably five six months was huge. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing that you that you talked about there, which uh, I just find fascinating, around um, you know Cricket Australia and everyone was like, you have to be, you know, goal is to be the number one team in the world. Yeah, you know, and everything was obsessed. You get like, and remember someone saying in particular, you get paid, you get paid to win. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um yeah. and just the like the anxiety and stress and worry that that just injects into a into a group and into a team. Yeah. But as soon as yeah. you go back to just enjoying what you do, like working yeah. hard, doing the fundamentals as well as you possibly can, and you take the result out of it, it's amazing yeah. what you can achieve. Because <laughs> the stress and the worries is just it evaporates. Yeah, it does exactly, and and, and and that's probably another conversation. But you know, years, well, I can't remember what it was. I mean, Cricket Australia brought in a an incentive based sort of model, didn't they? Which at the time the players went. I remember talking a great having a great discussion with Huss about it. You know, because mm. I'm hopeless at that sort of stuff with numbers, and I sort of said, "Can I just?" I said to him, "Can I just put it in my in my world? You know, what are, what is it?" What, he goes, "What do you think? What do you think it means?" I said, "Well." They're telling us we get more money if we win, and then trying to make us play better. What? Why do we need? Why do you need another ten grand or fifteen or or, or ten dollars to try and make you win harder? Aren't we trying to win anyway? <laughs> like it was just a, it was a really strange. Um, it was great at the end of it because we got some money, <laughs> but <laughs> but 
it was just a really funny thing to bring in to say to 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 the, to the Australian cricket team that oh, there's more here's more incentive quite lucrative at times here's more incentive to win and that was for me that was really strange and I know that was a it wasn't a it, well the way the team handled it because the team was so good and so tired it was like let's not who worries exactly what you just said then don't worry about that let's just worry about enjoying having fun and you know, if, if if we're good enough cricketers, if we're playing our best cricket, we're going to win anyway. So, as I said, whether it's 10, 20, 100,000, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I found that fascinating. But it, it was it was that, as you said, then, it was just that let's just take everything out of it. The drive, it, it wasn't that. It was a huge thing. To, we, we've got to be number one. We've got to be number one. We, we knew that. <laughs> we, we didn't We need to be told and incentivised to say we, we had to be the best in the world. We knew that. We wanted to be the best in the world. Mm. Um, you know, even I got asked a lot about, you know, I got, I think I got to number one bowler for, you know, in the rankings for a long, I, 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 I didn't, I'd never worry about that because I think the rankings, you had one good game in the rankings, you go from 10 to one. I don't know how they work mm. that out, but individual rankings was, <clears throat> you know what, who cares? If, if I'm, taking wickets for my country and, and winning games, then that's, don't worry about the rankings. That's my job. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my job. So yeah. it was, it was an interesting time when it came to that, um, pushing that number one all the time, all the time, all the time, you know, it was just like, um, it was probably more, as you said, it was more probably outside pressure than what we actually, what we were panicking. We weren't really worrying about it, were we? Were we? So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing how playing for your country, that's the biggest incentive to do everything exactly. you can and, and fight as hard as you can to win. <laughs> you're not doing it. You're not doing it for money. <laughs> you don't need anyone else telling you, telling you to do that. Because let's be honest, if you, if you, if you are pushed by that and driven by that, then you, you wouldn't, well, you wouldn't have lasted in our group because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, if you're worrying about the dollar value of it, um, you know, you, you, as you said, you put an extra pressure on yourself. You weren't going to perform anyway. So, yep. um, and, we, and we didn't see that in yep. our group. Yep, it's interesting times. <laughs> yeah. um, Rhino has now turned himself into one of Australia's um, best bowling coaches as well. So, I'm really excited to be able to hear all your all your amazing insights. Um, so, we're going to start and dig in um, to the skills side of things. So, from a bowling point of view, was there one specific technical component that really stands out to you that you worked on and developed? So, from that moment on, you knew that if you did that every time you're running into bowl, you're going to be as close to your best um, as consistently as you could? Yeah. I And this will sound probably a bit – and I'll try and – condense it into for me it took me when I started playing cricket when I started in state cricket I was known as a sweatband swinger I bowled 120 125k now swing now beautiful out swingers or in swingers um you know and I hit a hit a good what I call now I thought well what I thought was good at the time but sexy length so the ball you know goes through nice goes over the top of the stumps might play miss get the better play miss oh how good was that you know it took me it took me a long time probably probably another three or four years to realize that um, by doing that, and this is what I teach a lot of the kids now with length. I talk, I talk a lot about length. Um, is if you're going to get a batter out, it's, you know you've got to try and you've got how many? Well, I don't even know, twelve or thirteen ways to get a batter out. But as with the, as a bowler with a new ball, for instance, as well, you want to try and get a bloke nick. You want to try and nick him off. You want to get him bowled. You want to get him lb. So you've got to be trying to hit the stump. So yeah. it took me too many too long. I wish I'd have known it earlier, um, but to, to work that out. So. Um, for me, going forward, when I when I started to pick up a bit of pace, the thing that I I found and worked out and and um, I guess the word is feel or felt was timing at the crease, and that was when I knew 
Um, you know, obviously run-up's crucial. You've got to have a really good run-up, smooth run-up. But my timing at the crease felt like I – and this is a really interesting one because you hear and a lot of bowling coaches talk about not sitting on your back leg for long. You want to try and get off that back leg. For me, I felt like I sat on my back leg for like that split second. And that allowed for everything to, to – to, my arms to catch up, the ball part, my, my bowling arm to catch up, I get my arm, my front arm in the right place and then snap through. And when I did that, it, it felt like slow motion and it felt like far out. And 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 you remember the term zipper when, when Hadge used to say, you got your zipper, you got your zip. Yeah. That was that was yeah. what I needed to hear. I, and and I, But I knew as soon as I bowled a ball, I knew Hadge would yell out, you've got your zip because I could feel it. Mm. So it, it, it's, it's a – and I, <clears throat> a lot of kids now – um, who come to me or guys I coach is like, how did you do this and how did you do that? Well, that's the, that's the million dollar question because I, I I talk about feel and how do you tell how do you tell someone how to feel? You know mm. how do you how do you feel it? Mm. And and you know I tell them what I how I felt and they say, well that's what I want to do. Well, well that's what you can't do. Not everyone can do what I did. So you've mm. got to try and find your feel. But more importantly, you've got to feel. Um, you know, again, it's a long, it's so much information. But if you if you feel something that's good and you look at it and the ball goes well, you got to remember what that feel feel mm. feel feels like. Yeah. Because if it, if the next ball you bowl it doesn't quite go that well, then you got to know what you did wrong then as well to try and replicate, uh, to try and um, correct. You know why it wasn't the same as the ball before. If that makes sense. Yeah, so absolutely. Feel it's momentum through the crease. Um, you know that's that's sort of what I try and talk all about these kids and a lot of the kids I you know. The, the big, the, the biggest one as well is momentum. You've got to have momentum. I figure that um, you know you bowl into a batsman who's 22 yards away from you, is in front of you. We might as well have most of our body if we can going that way. And, and again, that's what I base my, my my timing and feel on. You know, if I if I went up, if I landed, snapped through, went over my front leg and went to the batter, I, I knew the ball was going to go well and took care of itself. So. Probably a little bit, a lot of information there, but so feel, feel coming in, good run up, feel coming in to the crease, timing, and then momentum. Momentum is the biggest thing, and I see a lot of kids, um, you know, come around. They they put the ball in a good spot, but it's it's hard, it's hard work if, because their momentum is going across their, you know, to the to the left, to the uh, or their left or their right if they're left-handers. But mm. the idea is to try and get as much momentum to the batter, and that and that's what I try and work on as much as I can these days. Yeah, so a couple of points that I find super interesting. One is you talked about, um, you know, actually sitting on your back leg because I, I remember playing you, you know, in your early, you know, in your early twenties, and you bowl, you bowl, you know, mid mid to late one thirties, but right. then, yeah. but then, but then you moved up to to Brisbane around, you know, around twenty seven, and all of a sudden you just you you'd cranked it up, yeah. you'd found like ten, 10 to fifteen k's. Yep. And did a big yeah. part of that was like, so in my mind was that run up and then just sitting on your back leg a little bit longer. So the thing that I find really interesting about it is if you just delay things a little bit, whether it's in your jump or whether it's actually sitting on your back leg a little bit longer, it means that everything can like align yep. up your arms, yep. everything can actually give it a split second more to better then harness that energy and power yep. on your body to then just like pull and snap through. And exactly. a split second delay can have such a huge impact on just galvanizing all your energy and just powering straight through to the batsman. Was that like the thing? Yeah, exactly. I remember having good conversations with you about this exact same thing mm. when, we were, when we were playing. Um, 
the difference when I made, when I sort of started picking up that pace, I was I got a bit fitter and stronger. I was a bit of a I was a bit of a dickhead when I was young. I was a bit of a pisshead, so that changed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got fitter and stronger, and um, and there was a guy, in, the bowling coach at the time at South Australia. So I I just started probably about two years before I moved to Brisbane to pick the pace up, mm-hmm. um, and I got again real fit, um, really strong. And then a guy called Peter Muggleton, who, who was a bowling coach, he's still down in South Australia, coaches oh. club cricket down there now. Um, he just said, he said to me, I can never put my finger at the exact words he said, but it was something along the lines of, why don't you just run in and try and get through the crease harder and snap through and something along those lines. I can never mm. remember. I never remember the words he actually said. I probably should ask him one of these days, but but it just, all of a sudden it just, it worked it, mm. for the exact reasons you just said, you, you know, just giving yourself that time to catch up and align and, you know, get up and over my front leg. Whereas, mm. and even when I was playing Test cricket. I'd always, I'd feel the difference when I wasn't doing that. That I felt like my feet were real, you know, real quick through the crease, or they were sort of that bang, bang sort of through the crease. And I'd say to myself straight away, "Slow down, slow down, get your timing." And you know, um, again, it, it's so hard to, it's 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 hard to coach that because it's so hard to. If you, you know, if I say to someone, "Go and look at my action and where I land at the crease," it just looks, it doesn't look any different, but. You've got to find that feeling yourself, but I—it is an interesting conversation because of the, as I said, a lot of the chats I've been to in the last few years about bowling is you've got to get off that back leg, you've got to get off that back leg, you know, and it's you do, but you've got to find a way to to time it off your back leg because, you know, again, a lot of the a lot of the the guys I'm seeing um, that that get off that back leg. Are the ones that put their arms in the wrong, you know, the arms, the front arm falls away, or or the other, you know, the, the the bowling arm goes across the body because they're trying to get that pace to, to go really fast. You've got to slow it down to try and let them let the arms catch up and and fall into line. Yep. And the thing is, with all of this, everyone's different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, some people need more of a higher jump. Some people need to you know, stay on their back leg a little bit more. Some people need to get like quickly off their back leg and quick, like quicker through the crease. And that's the biggest yeah. thing. You just got to work through what's the best thing for you. What's the best version of you? That's um, right. And, and, and that's, that's the trick. And, and, you know, and I've, I've, I've spoken to a lot of coaches. I've, I've, I've looked at a lot of things, and you know, everyone. A lot of people say, "Well, we can't be all bowling the same. We all can't be doing the same." Well, it's not about it's not about doing the same. Mm. It's as you said. It's, it's a great point that everyone's so different. It's finding the that sort of concept mm. for the action that you've got. But the, the other part of this as well is that what I look at, especially in young kids. I, I don't necessarily try and. I've never had to to to, to change a whole action, and I hope I never do, mm. but. My, my my I guess my role working with younger kids, and it was the same when I was working with the under 15s, under 16s, with Cricket Australia, 11s, and all that sort of stuff. We've got to try and make them safe. Try and make their actions safer. Now that that doesn't mean if a guy is horribly out of line, I've got to redo his whole action. It's trying to bring him back into line a bit, so we you know make him try and take as much pressure off the back. That's that's my my goal as well. So. Yeah, again, it's not remodeling an action. It's not trying to make everyone buy like I did or like you did. It's just trying to tweak with their actions to make them safer. But also, and you know, the next level of that is to try and get that again momentum as much as possible going towards the batter. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely, mate. Um, I know all too well that injuries are one of the most challenging parts of being a fast bowler. <laughs> so, what what were the lessons that you learned throughout your career to manage your body as well as you could to get the best out of what you had? Yeah, as I said, it took me a while. I had a lot of injuries 
probably, I mean, I was, I was contracted to South Australia from about 21, I think it was. Um, and again, I, I didn't look after my body and, and, and always, it was always, far, you know, hard luck story. Why am I injured again? Why am I injured again? And it wasn't until I started training harder and realised that I was nowhere near it, you know, and, and you've got to train and, and um, you know, really look after yourself to try and give yourself every chance because, you know, injury is one of those things that as a bowler, everyone says, oh, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's going to happen. Um, you know, it, 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 it can or it does, but you, you can definitely help prevent that. Mm-hmm. And so later on in my career, it was a lot of, a lot more maintenance, a lot more, a lot more stretching. I was never a great stretcher. I hated stretching, but a lot more maintenance in, um, you know, even gym work. Like I, I was at the stage where I probably, there weren't many days where I didn't go to the gym, not to lift heavy weights or anything like that, just to, um, just to do primer sessions as we call them, you know, just, you know, for instance, a great example is my knee. For the whole, whole time I was playing sort of test cricket, my knee was sort of, you know, it was good and had good days and bad days, but I felt that I just needed, I really needed the strength in my quad to help my knee. So I'd go and do, you know, light leg extensions or uh, squats or deadlifts or something, you know, just stuff like that to keep firing my, you know, my, my, my muscles that I felt I needed to help protect my knee and, and the rest of my body for that matter as well. So... A lot, a lot of maintenance sessions just to keep keep the keep the muscles firing and 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 um, you know um, yeah, keeping like I guess said looking after my knee was the main thing. So it, it takes a lot, and I wish I said I wish I had to realise that earlier because um, because you know as you said you know when we went through a few few injuries you know every time people you know introduce me now if I'm going to do a talk oh you know he had a few injuries here and there you know it's always in the in the, in the introduction but. It is what it is, but, um, you know, it's what I talk a lot about there to the younger guys as well is that you've got to really just, you know, make that effort, that, that little, that, that 15, 20-minute session of, you know, going to the gym just to, just to, you know, as I said, to prime your legs or do whatever, it makes a huge difference. Yep. so when you say you didn't look after yourself or manage yourself well when you were younger, are you, is it more so just talking of just around your fitness and your gym work and that sort of thing? Is that, is that more so what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd turn up to I'd turn up to the gym session sometimes hungover, mm. <laughs> you know. Like it was just, it was. I look back at it and and, and I talk I talk publicly about it. I, I put it in a book that I wrote. You know, that's I don't have too many regrets in my cricket career, and that that was that was one that 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 first probably six years, probably five years. Yeah, that that I wish I could I'd go back now and just think, you know, geez, you know, not not that it, not that it would have got me playing for Australia anytime sooner because mm. the the teams we had around that through that period were phenomenal. It was just. You know, I wish I could look back and say I took 400 or 500 first-class wickets and played a lot more first-class cricket and a lot more consistent first-class cricket. So, you know, I'd play the odd game here and there and, and you know, two or three and then get injured because it was just my body couldn't handle um, the pressures and, the, and, the, and the, you know, the, the pressure of playing at that level. And then go forward a few years when I got myself right. Um, you know, I, no, I yes, I had a few injuries here and there still, but... Um, you know, a lot of them were were structural injuries, not necessarily soft tissue. You know, they were, you know, like I, I had a shoulder that I had that took, you know, had surgery on. I had a, my knee, obviously, I had a broken ankle, I had a broken foot. You know, they're things from the structural things. So, you know, it just shows, as I said, that the amount of effort you have to put in, it actually works. <laughs> you know, it, 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 you know, it does build up your body and get it stronger. I just wish I'd have known that earlier. But yeah, so I, yeah, turning up, you know, sessions, you know, hungover and just not not putting one hundred percent in, one hundred percent effort in. So. What did your fitness regime look like when you were when you did start to really you know, push your body to to get the best out of? What did it really? What did it look like? Was it running, gym work? What what did yep. it look like? Yeah, so I, I, 
again, that was another thing I hated long distance running. And mm. I was never a, I was a sprinter at school. I used to 100, 100, 200. So I was never a, now we used to do 2K time trials. In fact, I don't think I did. I think I might have done two 2K time trials, thankfully, because of my knee. <laughs> so that was a good excuse to get out of them. But but I'd still, for my fitness stuff, I'd still have to do short stuff. So a lot of my stuff was was over 180 metres, um, you know, hard stuff, sprint stuff, not much more than 100 metres, to be honest. Um, I did a lot of sprint work on the bike, um, a little bit of treadmill stuff as well. Um, one thing we had but later on in, the, in through the five years when I was playing, we had a great treadmill up here. Um, what do they call them the, when they lift you off the – Yeah, it's like Ultra G or something like that. That's it, Ultra G, yeah. that's the one. So yeah. you basically you, you're still – you're not getting the impact, uh, you know, sort of you put a big sort of little uh, thing around your waist that lifts you off the off the treadmill and you're still running and touching but it takes the weight off. So I'd do like session after session and session after that. So – um, but the trick, the trick there as well is I still had to make sure I was doing some sort of running with full weight, otherwise my muscles wouldn't wouldn't be, you know, training themselves properly. So mm. there was a lot of that. So a lot of short stuff, and then gym work was um, a lot of lot of shoulder back stuff, um, you know, and and quad. My, my my, I just felt like I got to the stage where it felt unbelievable just doing squats and deadlifts and leg extensions. You know, mm. it was just a. And if I felt I didn't do it, I just I was like, if I missed a session, I was like, I've got to make that up because I need, I just need that to to keep my knee going, for instance, and, and keep mm. my strength. So, um, but yeah, so it was a lot for me. It was a lot of short stuff. Whereas some a lot of guys I was training with, they were doing lots of um, three, four, you know, ten k runs. They were going for for you know, for, for instance, Queensland. You know, we'd get there of certain mornings and be like a what. What big big uh, Mendo used to say, discovery runs. So he'd send everyone out and just go right, go for a go for a thirty minute, forty minute run as a warm up, and then you know I I'd just go out in the oval and do you know 10, 20, 30, 40 meter sprints, and and you know he'd be out there watching me because I'd be you know he'd be you'd have to be going pretty hard still, but mm. um, yeah, I just couldn't do the long stuff, and and again the way my knee ended up, I, you know, it was just it was stopping me from doing that as well. So, but it was my I was all about power. I just needed power. Yeah, and that's the thing is working through also what what your body type is because yep. some, as you said, like you were a power athlete, you were you're a fast runner, um, and some people's bodies are built to just as power athletes, and that was you know one one of the reasons why you're such a great fast bowler, and you're able to sustain your your speed, your bowling speed throughout the day as well. Whereas other yep. people, you know, they're, they're more longer distance runners. But again, that's where just having people understand how to be able to what kind of athlete you are, and then and yep. then train that accordingly. It's not just yeah, making sure everyone – yeah, 100%, yeah. exactly. You've got to individualize. It's the same with a bowling action, as we just spoke about mm. before. Everyone's different. It's, and it's all well and good to say, you need to be doing a 2K time, 2K time trial in six minutes or five minutes. Well, I, yeah, but I can't – I might not be able to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but, like, you'd be able, I, but you'd be able to bowl a, like a full day's test match and maintain your speed yeah. <laughs> throughout the whole day. <laughs> that's all that matters. That's mm. right. Exactly right. So you've got to individualize. That's the thing. It's really important. That's the, the biggest point. Individualize a, 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 you know, a training program. And, you know, again, I thought we did that. Well, I know, I know the guys I work with, with Damien Mendes, who was Queensland cricket, then, then, then cricket Australia. And then Andrew Weller, um, Kevin Sims, all the, all the many kids that I worked with in the last five, six years were fantastic with that. That's very important. Right. To be a fast bowler, you are pushing the body, your body to the limits all the time. Um, so, to continue to do this, you need to be pretty mentally tough to absorb all of that. Um, so from a mental skills point of view, 
were you always built a certain way or did you have to develop certain mental skills to be able to give yourself the best chance of being at your, your best as consistently as what you were? Yeah, you definitely have to, I had to build it. It took me a long time and I've heard you talk about this in a lot of other podcasts and I love it. I, lo- I just love it because, and I'm sure you, I mean, you've said a number of times, we, we talk about, or I talk about it, spoke about it earlier about wishing that I was getting fitter quicker and looked after my body more. I just wish I had taken a lot more time to, to investigate more the mental side of it because me too. Oh, it just, you know, I, I, through the similar years when I wasn't, you know, I just thought this mental, what's this mental stuff? You know, it's just, I, I know what I've got to do. I, I research who I'm going to play against. I know I've got to bowl. That's, that's the mental side of things. But what happens if you, things don't go to plan? How do you, how do you, how do you fight that? Or, or, you don't want to fight that. Actually, that's the thing. You don't want to fight against yourself. You want to get yourself in a in a frame of mind that don't panic. You know, get you, stay calm, all that sort of stuff. I didn't probably take enough interest in that until probably I reckon it was when I moved to Queensland. Um, you know, we had um, as a school, Phil Johnson, who you know pretty well. Who yeah. I, I wasn't. An, he's a fantastic person and, and a great great at his job, but I I didn't necessarily click with Phil. I, I, for me, he was all over the place. He was here, 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 there and there. And that's what that's what Phil is, and he's great. And I'm not knocking that. I just didn't necessarily click with him. And then I, I met Michael Lloyd, who's still the CA psychologist, and for some reason I just clicked with him. And and he, I don't know, it was whether he came down to, I'd say, my level, but, you know, I swear a little bit here and there and do this sort of stuff. And and he just, it was like I'd, I'd, I'd met him and I was like I'd known him for 10 years, 20 years. Mm. And, so I just chewed his ear off and, and he just gave me, um, I don't know, I just I, off the top of my head, I can't exactly remember what all of them were, but just different ways of assessing the situation. You know, if things aren't right, don't, you know, he sort of asked you, what do you, what do you do? If you don't bowl a good ball, what do you do? Well, I'll get back and I want to, I want to bowl another, I want to bowl a good ball. So I've got to get back and, and get in and do it. He said, well, what about slowing down, thinking about why you didn't bowl a good ball? Um, how, how are you going to bowl the good ball the next time? You know, and it's like people, I tell this to people, so how do you do that between balls? It's like you've actually got a fair bit of time between balls. So my process, I worked out if I quickly tell you, I'd, I'd stand at the top of the mark, lock in a ball I'm going to bowl, um, lock it in, obviously get my run up right. And if I if I didn't bowl it, by the time I finished my follow through, I'd be reassessing by the time I got back to the crease, right, get through the crease. My timing wasn't there. Um, you know, my feet were too quick, whatever, which is timing. Right, that's gone. By the time I get from the crease back to my mark, I'm thinking, right, this is the ball I'm going to bowl again. Turn around, locked in, go again. And that was that was as simple as it had to be. Whereas before, I'd be thinking, far out. I didn't do this. My wrist wasn't there. My timing wasn't there. It wasn't quick enough or, you know, I had a million things going through. So he just really simplified things for me. And um, and the other one he did use, it's an analogy, um, I know Chris Rogers uses this a lot, is the water tank. Is is You know, you've got a big water tank, you've got a tap. And if you turn the tap on full ball, the water pours out. It's pouring out really quickly. Turn the tap off or slow it down, and, and that's the that's the thought process of slowing your mind down and not just getting it going a million miles an hour. Because it's as you say, bowling's bowling's bloody hard, or batting cricket's bloody hard. It's a bloody hard game. Um, but when you're in the heat of, heat of battle with, with the ball, um, I always say it to I'll say it to a lot of young guys over the, over the, over the years. You've got to find a way to do it, and you, and you can't keep bowling bad balls. You can't just, you can't, you know, if you can't do it, if you stand at the top of your marks, I can't do this. You can't walk up to the captain halfway through and over and go, there's the ball skipper. I can't do this. I can't bowl. That's, mm-hmm. that's not, you can't do that. So you've got to find ways of, of 
getting to your peak performance, even when you're under under pressure. It's easy when things are going well. You know, you don't, and that's the thing. Try and get that thought process of, and it's really hard that if you're bowling well, what are you thinking about? Nothing. (laughs) You know, yeah. Uh, When it's not quite going well, try and not think of nothing, but think of good thoughts and slow your mind down. And, And so. Probably rambling on a bit there, but that that for me, I, if I had known that ten years earlier, um, that definitely would have helped me, you know, um, or be a better um, cricketer, even better person, mm. <laughs> to be honest. You know, just even off the field, just to not worry about things so much and slow down and don't stress about things so much. This is the thing that it it does. Like I look back and it, it does sort of. No, don't frustrate me. It's just like we, we went through the exact same system, you know, through um, you know the junior pathways and that sort of thing. And the one thing that we weren't we didn't weren't able to tap into was the mental skill side of things. I know we had a few psychologists around here and there, but they never broke it down to a, a, a way a really simplified version for you to know how to be able to just get out of your own way and bring the best version of you. Um, yeah. And I'll I could talk for hours on it, but it's not until you sort of open your mind up to go, well, actually there's so much that I'm missing out on that I could be tapping into. So I just want to, there's two things that you touched on there, which I find it's, it's really important. One is this technical checklist that you're talking about, like the top of your mark, you've got these couple of, you know, technical things that you're you know, working through every time you run into bowl and then you're assessing it quickly after every ball to go, okay, what was slightly off? Did I bowl yeah. exactly where I wanted to? And if I didn't, where was it slightly off? So you just, you're, you're troubleshooting, right? Every ball yeah. as you're walking yeah. back to your mark. Okay. So, and I, I love that because I, I was exactly the same as that. Some guy, a few guys that I've talked to, a few, you know, greats that I've talked to um, on, on this podcast, they, they just ran in and did it because they were just that, you know, they knew their game and they're just technically gifted. Whereas majority, actually a lot of them had a technical checklist. So they mapped through every single ball, but the other one is the mental skills. Like what did the best version of you look like from a mental perspective? So I want to ask you that. What did, when you're at your best, what was like, what did the mindset look like? Do that, that I've been asked that a million times. And that's the thing I said before. I, I, I don't know that because it was just, it was just, I was just like a robot, you know, not a robot. It's probably a bad, bad word, but just, it was just almost like autopilot. Yeah. So, it, you know, I felt, I guess part of it is where I came into test cricket, I was a bit, I was lucky. I was a bit older, as you said earlier. I was a bit more mature. I was a bit more experienced. Um, I, I probably got to that level with a pretty good plan of where I was bowling. And then, as I said, got better with the more I did with the mental stuff with, with, with Michael Lloyd. Um, I don't know. What, it's really a hard question to answer that because when when I when I was going well, I just my process was just happening. It was just it was just happening automatically. Mm-hmm. So again, um, you know, just that that little process of locking in, locking in, having your plan. Obviously, you've got your plans that you talk about with the bowlers and with the group with the group in your team planning. So you've got all that locked in. You do individual research. So that's all locked in as well. So you've got that all sort of way. And then you're just focusing on who that batter is at the time. And then that's all I'm worried about. That's all I'm focused on right there and then. So, mm. well, again, it's really hard. What I did. Well, that's what you did. <laughs> that's the thing is understanding that's what you did. Yeah, well, I'm trying to find something else here, but that's what <laughs> yeah, I did. No, yep. Because that's <laughs> the key I mean? That's the key to your best performance is yeah. just doing the process, your process, yeah. over and over again and staying in the moment. <laughs> and I felt it also, yeah. yeah. And I probably didn't have. Of course, there were there were spells or there were overs or even you know sessions where I probably didn't bowl to my the best that I, I could have bowled. 
but th- there were times I felt as though through my through that five years of international cricket, I felt as though I was pretty much on top of my game. And that and that I don't want that to sound arrogant or, or you know, but I, I felt as though you know I, I I was in the position where I just I didn't want to stop. It's almost like I didn't want to stop bowling, so I didn't want to lose the feeling I had um, that I'd worked so hard from for from being a being a goose when I was younger to finding that rhythm and feel. It's almost like I didn't want to stop bowling. And then when I had those little layoffs with with um, you know a few little injuries here and there, I was actually worried. I, that's when I was probably hitting up the the psychologist the most because I was really worried about how do I what happens if I forget this feel? You know, what happens if I can't get back to bowling? And it was again. I can't exactly tell you their words, but it was just don't, don't, don't think that. Why, why, why are you being negative on yourself? You've, you've, you've got to a, a period where you've played international cricket. You, you've bowled so well for um, for such a long time. You're not just going to forget it, you know. And and in the meantime, there you're doing little things as well, as much as you can. That that the injury allows you to do to keep your 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 thought process of what you should be doing when you're not. Uh, injured, or other than probably bowling at full tilt, you're still doing little things to keep those triggers going. But um, yeah, I, it, it's it's um, I have to I, have to, I haven't actually a really good thing about that. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I've been asked a few times, and it's just like, well, what what did you do? It's like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know? it's, it's, it's staying it's, in the process. What you said, it it is like just doing that over yeah. and over again because that's that's what yeah. the zone that's yeah. what the zone is and what it looks like is just staying totally present and just. Yeah, yeah, and testing troubleshooting every moment and just having that you know, intensity in your mind. That's it. Just, there's probably one moment I had, and I don't want to take, I know we're going, don't want to take too much time, but where I did really struggle, and that was that was in South Africa when we were there. We, we, we played the first first test, Mitch bowled like the wind again, and I didn't bowl as well as I probably liked. Second test in Port Elizabeth, um, and I, I probably haven't said this to too many, but I actually thought that was my last test. I was, that I was, not bowling well. Hashim Amla was treating me like a bowling machine. Wherever I bowled the ball, he'd hit it for four, um, as well as AB to Villiers. And I finished that test match, and I remember sitting down with Craig McDermott back at the hotel. I said, "Mate, I, I, I'm in trouble. I reckon I'm in trouble. I reckon I'm, I'm not. I, I can't feel the ball. Wherever I put the ball, I'm getting hit." Um, and 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 he, he's another one. I haven't mentioned him um, bowling coaches yet, but he was another one. He actually he called me. He said, he "said Shut up, you dickhead." I said, "What?" what what, oh man, I'm I'm struggling here. You put your guys name up. He said, you, you, "You, what I've seen, yeah, you've you know you've gone for a few more than what you normally would." But he said, "All it is is you're being tested for the first time, probably the first time in your career." I said, "Yeah, but but I'm not feeling it. I'm you know I'm a bit my, no. I, well, I sort of went to blame my knee. My knees. Be, he said, "Mate, your knee's fine. You've been through, you've been through so many test matches now." And so I was. That was the first time where I was actually probably. The, the mine was was letting down, and mm. and it wasn't. And it was a little bit of Lloydy as well. I definitely spoke to Lloydy, but Craig was really really good in that, and just give me a bit of confidence, blow a bit of wind up my bum, you know, a bit, mm. bit of confidence. And then, you know, I went back and I I, I never bowled before the day before a test match. I bowled for about an hour of the day before a test match with him, just him and I, and and found that rhythm again, and away I went, and it was just there. So. It's it's um, sometimes you need a bit of pushing just to just to click yourself back into gear, but. Um, and I look back at it now, and I and I think, what an idiot! You know that. Mm. You know, why? Why was I why, almost gave up? It was almost like my, my mind had gave up, or given up. And you know, I don't know why that happened. Yeah, well, it's, that's the the great thing about being having a great coach around you as well. Like like Craig McDermott is <laughs> knows the right things to say at the right times.
look, what, one of the biggest challenges that I had in my career was dealing with the the setbacks mentally, dealing with the setbacks that injuries provided. Like it, it wasn't, that was the most challenging sort of times because, you know, when you're out, um, you know, dealing with the, the rehab, um, but then also the opportunities that you're, that you're losing um, and potentially, you know, giving other people opportunities. Yeah, so how did you manage to navigate your way through those setbacks that you had? Cause it's certainly, you know, people haven't been through it. Don't really understand how mentally challenging it is. Yeah. And a question, again, another one, I keep saying it, but I've been asked this so many times. How did you keep coming back? How did you keep coming mm. back? Well, first of all, so it wasn't, it wasn't that many times. It was a couple of times. It yeah. wasn't that many times, but um, the, pro- the process I use, the disappointment of being injured, or as you said, it's, it's it's mentally it's bigger than you like it's it's huge the, the the disappointment the work that you that that we put in to all of a sudden go well something happens goes bang so well, how did that happen what why did that happen you know and they're the questions you ask why what did I do wrong what could I have done better um you know did I you know did I miss a session that 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 could have stopped me from being you know all that sort of stuff um so I had that I had the exact same process I went through all that. And then it got to a point where nine times out of 10, I had to have surgery when I did it. So once I had that surgery, you know, disappointment. So once I had that surgery, it was like, and I had, I had again, it helps with the people you have around you. I had a great surgeon who knew my knee and ankle back to front, um, a great physios, and Alex Contreras, Sims, all, all the, we had great people around, around me. So once that surgery, my process was, once the surgery was done, what do I need to do to get back ball on that first ball? So... Where every time, and not everyone can have this, uh, top level obviously, but, you know, uh, other levels you don't necessarily have all those people around, although, you, you know, you should have someone that you can talk to. But, right, we sit down and map out six weeks we're going to start walking on it, putting weight off. Six weeks we're going to start doing knee extensions. Seven seven weeks we're going to do this. But by the end of it, you'd see, and I'd probably actually would probably go the other way, you'd start when that first ball would be at training and work back. So I can I see that the the day I bowl a ball is what I'm what I'm working to, and that's what that's that's what excites me. So, you, you, yeah, that was that was the, again. It was the process of again every time it happened. The disappointment was you know, but and and people people always ask us, well, why did you keep doing it? So, well, why not? And and when when you got a what some people non cricket people don't understand or didn't understand, and it's no fault to them, is that what we did. It was the best thing in the world. I had the yeah. best job in the world. I had a, bowling with a brand new kookaburra, top of my mark, standing in Boxing Day test bowl on the first ball. What's what's better than that? Yeah. Um, you know, so I wanted to keep doing that, and, and that's why I worked. I kept working hard to do it. You know, and it, it, both of us, we you know, we unfortunately had a few times, a lot of time, well, a few times with injury, but it, it almost it just became it became if it happened, it just became sort of became clockwork. Right, there's my disappointment. Kick cans around. Hopefully you're not. Hopefully not taking out the wife too much. <laughs> Move to the stage where it's where it's either being fixed surgically or or whatever, and then you go bang. Right, this is what I need to do, and that's that was the drive. And then obviously on top of that, the drive of as I said, I said earlier, playing in a, a team with a group of blokes that were pretty good and that I love doing. That was the drive. Yeah, that's a that's a thing. If you don't have that, like. Um that desire and that drive to be able to just continue to push through those, those roadblocks that do arise, then yeah, you can, you can tap out you, you know, a lot of people tap out earlier. Right. But the thing, what you talk about there is around the, the process 
around like the setback and then asking the right, asking the questions like, how could I have done it differently? Could I have done it differently? What will I do next time? And then mapping it out. Like that's, that's, that's a great process and a great learning for anyone who, yeah, who's pushing the limit to what they're doing and has injury setbacks. That is your way to be able to get through it as well as you possibly can. You've got and to have that end goal. And I, yeah. yeah. And I had things up on the wall. Sorry to cut you off there. But I, had, I had things up on the wall of the date or whatever it was, just reminding me that was the day. And that's what I'm working. That's the day I'm working to. The, the only time, just quickly, the only time I didn't have that is when I retired, when I did my knee and you were there in England. That was the only day that I sat, or well, not day, a couple of days, I spoke to a few people. Um, you know, that that was the day I was defeated. I, I'd, I'd worked so hard to get to that point. I missed the West Indies tour because I had the, um, my, my wife was having um, my first, our first child, Picardo. And I worked that hard, the fittest I've ever been in my career. And I got to the point in England where I, when that happened with my knee and that was the time I was like, I just can't, I can't do it again, you know, because I'm 35, my knee was probably not going to recover anyway, but that was the only time I was defeated. But um, yeah, I, I, it was funny. I, I'd have things up on my wall and, and Sheree, my wife would be like, what's that? What does that mean? It's like, it's just a little thing to keep me going, just that, you know, to make sure I'm ready to go at that point of delivery and and that's the that's the driving goal i think you've got to i think you've got well i had to not everyone everyone's different again you got to visualize it. you got to see it you got to see something to say right if i wake up in the morning and i feel like getting out of bed going to the gym look up in the wall and oh that's why i'm going to the gym that's the sort of stuff i got to it i'm never i've never really been like that but there were times there because I, I sometimes i did struggle i hated having to go to the gym going to the gym again far out well i'm a, you know but Again, if I wanted to get back to to to, to bowling that the brand new kookaburra for Australia, that's what I had to do. Yeah, so good, mate. Good on you. Okay, the media can provide a few different challenges at times. <laughs> so, looking back now, would you have approached the media in a different way uh, throughout your career? Um, pro- probably not. I, I, I must admit, I was I was pretty lucky with media. I'd never really cop too much in the media. Um, uh, would, I, would I have done things differently? One thing I always hated with media, and I still do, <laughs> um, is criticising my mates. That's what I hated. And mm. maybe I could have – sometimes I went in um, oh, n- n- knowing someone or some people who'd written stuff and I'd be short or I'd be uh, – I don't know, not not necessarily nice – to not necessarily mean towards them or, or rude, mm. but, you know, maybe I'll – you know, if I understood it more and realised you know, at the time that, you know, yeah, you, you, you obviously you know that they're writing stories and they've got to get stuff out. Maybe I would have approached that a bit differently. But, I, you know, I always looked, I always stood up for my mates. That's one thing I always had to do. I, I felt my job was um, mm. in the in public. And if someone was getting criticised, well, then, you know, I, I'd, I'd try and stick up for them. But, I, look, to be honest, I, I really didn't – I the media was always pretty good. So, I, I you know, I – Probably oh, the only other thing, the only thing with that is maybe social media. I should have been a little bit smarter with social media. Yeah. Um, media in general. Look, I, I, no, I, I think I was, I was pretty lucky, um, and I think you know I learned a lot by doing media. I love doing media. That's the thing. I, I, I guess I, I wanted to be the one to speak at the end of the day all the time. Not that we, we, I did very often, but I actually I didn't fear it, and I and I mm. loved doing it because um, I loved again talking about the day we had and good or bad. Um, you know, I loved again. If there's someone having a crack, then I'd stick up for someone, whatever it was. But probably doesn't answer your question too much. But again, I, I was yeah, I was pretty happy with the way that the media was. So I guess I was very lucky. Yeah, talking about social media um, for for people coming coming through now, what would you say about 
dealing with that um, as well as and and making the most of that as well as as well as you possibly can. Yeah, and I'm I've made some silly mistakes on that on just just comments, you know, um, which in my mind it's. Well, when I say that, I probably haven't. There's not too many I regret because I know I was right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was writing. But, but, it's, but with, with, with the way you are contractually and all that sort of stuff, there's some things you can and can't say, which is, mm. which is again, maybe I, that's probably one thing I probably could have done better. Mm. Um, but social media is such a powerful tool and, and I'm hopeless on it. I'm, I'm not very good at it. I very rarely tweet. I don't put too much on there. I think you use it to, to, to for your brand. That's 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 great. I think it's and that's what people do, and a lot of people do really really well. Um, but one thing I think you've got to do um, is, is be careful what and take going away from that. That's probably one point. Second point is for, for the for the young young kids. If you put something on there, it's there forever, and, and that's the thing. And, and whether you put something on there when you're 15, 16, or 17, 18, it's still going to be there when you're 30. <laughs> it, people always find stuff to bring bring it up, and you know. So that's that's probably one thing that you've got to be really, really careful of. But it's it is a great thing. There's no doubt about it. Um, when it comes to performance, it's it's a very powerful tool because it's basically given a license for every everyone in the world to tell you how good or bad you are, um, which is. Yep. Yeah, which is um, again wrong, I guess, in a way. But um, look, everyone's in. I guess it's the old-fashioned. Everyone's entitled to an opinion. Um, but when it comes to berating, you know, is that the right word? Berate, berating okay. someone, yeah. um, oh, you know, it's it can be done different. And I think uh, there's there's obviously I think it, you know, without going into detail, there's obviously laws going to be drawn up about that because some of the abuse that people get on Twitter. Um, you know, whether you like it or not, it's not right. Um, personal abuse. You know, you can yeah. you're getting you're getting or family. That's just wrong. You know, you, you wouldn't say that to someone in the street, and that's the problem. You know, it's the keyboard warriors, as we call them. You, you, you know, so you've got to be able to work out a way how to deal with that. If you you're going to be on social media, you've got to accept it. You know, if you if you had a bad day, then you're going to get you're going to get told how bad you, how bad your day was. Not, if you know your day hasn't been great, the day read it. <laughs> that's right. You don't yeah. read it. And it's the same with the media again. If you if you're going to be you know if you if you're someone who um, takes offence, you probably you probably you know you we you got to be careful what you read and how much you read and or don't read. I know a lot of guys when we were playing didn't yeah. didn't read. I read yeah. it. I read a lot of stuff. Um, I, you know, I I love reading the newspaper. I love reading the news, albeit <laughs> very sad this day and age because there seems to be so much sad news yeah. going on. But you know, it's it's something that you, you choose you, you, to either do or don't. And 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 that was the thing when I say about before about sticking up. I'd read things about guys I was playing with that was. It's it's funny when you're in this when you're in a sanctum. This when you know stuff's going on. There's been stuff written about. It's just so wrong. It's so so the opposite of what's actually happening. Yeah. That's what frustrates me. But again, it's it's media. It's they've got to sell papers. They're never going to write how good the Australian cricket team are going and he's bowling well and he's batting well, everyone's great, and, you know, because it doesn't – people get sick of that, don't they? So, yeah, um, yeah so you got to be – I just – got to be careful how you approach it. Again, individually, you know, you read it or you don't. And if you've got to accept that you're going to be on those special social media platforms, you're going to get abuse and you've got to work a way of dealing with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's working out what works for you best, whether you can absorb it or yeah, you know, most most human beings can't absorb can't absorb it. And at some stage when you're, you know, a bit vulnerable, it'll it'll get too much. So yeah, just gotta be exactly very, right. very, that's very where careful. It's very that's yep. where it's very dangerous. Yep. And, and any advice well the advice again, I I've been lucky I haven't obviously copped a few things here and there, but 
um, I would imagine if I got a truckload of it, I'll just switch it off. It's not yeah. worth. I can I can read the news, I can read stuff, I find you find stuff out, but if it gets too much, you just switch it off because it. Yeah. I'd hate to I'd hate to know um, and see the effect that it has on some people. It's yeah. dangerous. Yeah, yeah, agree. Ryan, this is going to get into other aspects um, of your life away from cricket. Um, and this is for something, from my experience, cricketers don't really talk about this um, that much. And it's something that most of us aren't that well educated on, but managing and investing money that, you know, yep. the money that we make as well as we, as well as possible is so, in, is so integral to making the most of what we've got. Um, so from what you know now, would you've done things differently from an investment or, or wealth generation point of view? Yeah, way differently. <laughs> I wish I had have known. Um, and I'm not uh, in the, a lot into business or, or even that now. I've, I'm trying to take more of an interest. I don't have any businesses or anything like that. But mm. I, I look, to be honest, I, I wasted a little bit of money growing up. I, you know, I love my cars. I've bought different cars here and there. Not wait, not lost a lot of money on cars, but I just would have, I would have, yeah, probably been a little bit smarter with my money. I mean, I'm pretty well set up to be honest. Now I've got you know four investments, properties, and that sort of stuff. And um, so, so, rent, so rental, rental properties. Yeah, yeah, I've got, yep. uh, yeah, we've got now three. Yeah, three. Sorry. So we, yep. we, we've done pretty good with that. So, um, but just I could have been could have been better. So it, again, if 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 I had known then yeah, now back then it would have mm. been probably better. But um, you know. We are lucky with what we with the career that we that we have and, and what we earn, um, you know. And I see it. I, I think as much as well. Not, not that I speak to a lot of the guys too much these days, but it seems. And, and we only have to actually talk about them. You only have to read the, the papers with the amount of houses they're buying. But <laughs> they're being smart with their money. They're buying good houses and, and investing. And, and and a lot of them, a lot of the boys at this day and age, and you know, have got good business business ventures happening. So. That's probably something I would would have done differently. Would have dived, tried to dive into business a bit bit more and, and probably yeah. understood it a bit more, a lot more. Um, um, you know, when I started earning pretty good money. But I look again. You know, I, I sit here now and I'm I'm, we're, I'm pretty I'm pretty comfortable. I'm pretty lucky. You know, to, to own a home and all that sort of stuff and and mm. and you know be comfortable. Um, you know, but again, yeah, there's always. Um, I just yeah probably just wish I'd have been a little bit smarter. I wish that I was in more wise investing, you know, whether it's um, yeah, in the in the property market rentals, but but especially like the the share market because it it is it's a huge unknown the share market and there's a lot of you know there are a lot of vultures around to try and just you know make commissions after commissions on yeah. you know, our investments in, but um but just that you know the growth that it's able to provide if you're able to get into you know just a sound safe sort of investment over a long period of time. But so for you, the biggest thing was like for your investments were, were like your, your own house, but also some, some rental properties that you, that you source. Was that like through like the middle of your career or was that sort of the more the back end of your career? And did you have someone with that? Did you have someone who was helping like guiding you along those, along those lines? Yeah. So that's a really good question. When I, obviously Sheree and I moved up from Adelaide, so we've still got those houses down there, which do okay. But mm. um, when I moved, when I moved here, we had, it was funny, actually, it's a funny story. We, we used to have Damien Mendes, again, who I mentioned, mm. who was SNC at Queensland, would get every Friday, we'd have a games day um, and he'd get a legend in. So it'd be a Wally Lewis or a, uh, you know, whoever. So this one week, Tim Horan had come in, um, a great, obviously great Wallaby. And at the time was working with, with, with Westpac and I hadn't really, 
um, to be honest, when I moved to Queensland, when I was starting, started to earn pretty good money, and I hadn't really had anyone in 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 Adelaide that was sort of, you know, closely advising me and and you know on what to do. So, you know, I, I had a chat with Tim at the end of the session, and he was working with with Westpac, and it was at the time it was um, like a sports entertainment um, sort of group, and he was basically. You know exactly this. This what we're talking about. He was, you know, looking for athletes that needed some help and wanted some help, and had some really good people um, under him that would advise, help advise, um, you know, what to do with their money. So I thought, okay, that that'd be that'd be great, and caught up with him. And then from then on, I met two other guys who I'm still good mates with now. They still do it. They still look after our, our investments and, um, you know, all they like, you know, helped us with all our loans and. Mm. The, uh, one lives about two streets over from me, actually. So he put he put me in touch with some really good people and um, helped us buy um, our, our, our homes up here. And then you talk about the share market. I, I, my brother used to, who who who's a bit more switched on with me in that area. He was trying to get me to invest in the share market for years, but all, and I didn't know anything about it. But all I kept hearing was it was going down and down and down. So I didn't want to put any money on it. But as you say, there's so much growth in it. So it wasn't until probably I don't know the the third year I was up here, I think I we invested in the share market and and put a little bit of money in there, which which again you, you don't see huge results as you said, but over time you know you get drip fed stuff. It's helped pay off a house, you know, it's done really really well. So again, I wish I had done that a lot earlier. So you know, very lucky to run into I guess it, the timing of it to run into Tim um, who who put who set me up, you know, set up well Sheree and I up with some great advice, some great people and, and put us on the right track. And as I said, we're, you know, we're in the stage now where we're, we're, we're comfortable. We own a home, um, you know, that we live in. So we're very lucky in, in that respect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest, the biggest thing is for yeah, young, the young people who are coming through as much as they can is just getting some great people around them who can, from a younger age, like we all, all wish that we could have started, you know, even smaller yeah. investment, even if it was like, you know, whatever you had, even just really small investment, just to get it in somewhere to be able to just see some growth over, you know, 10, 15 years. But as I was, it's yeah. is it more short sighted as like, okay, I'm, yeah. well, we've got it. So let's try and find something I can actually, you know, see, see is growing right now. Yeah, that's right. And you, you want to see that. And that's the mm. thing. And, and I, I mean, I, I was, I was fortunate and unfortunate. I, I received an inheritance when I turned 18. I, you know, I bought a car, a flash car with it. And, you know, being a, being the young, you know, idiot then I was, mm. I, you know, just thinking back now, if I just had to put that somewhere else that might've mm. been, you know, now, for instance, now, if I, you know, if you earn some money now, I think, how am I going to double it? Yeah. How am I going to get, you know, back then though, I was like, I'm just going to spend it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas yeah. If I had to put that money in there now, it would have gave me, you know, it gave me a good start in mm. life, whatever, it been sort of adult life, but it could have been way better, you know? So yeah, if there's any advice that I, you know, that, and I've heard you talk a lot about it is get, get some, as you just said, get some good people around, Yes, it's great spending it, but it's a lot better if you can double it, triple it, quadruple it, and spend it later. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Absolutely, that's that's a power of it for sure, mate. Um, one thing that I've realised that that life is all about how well you bounce back from the setbacks that life always throws your way, and you've certainly had your fair share as well. Um, so, do you have a mantra or saying in your life that helps you bounce back quicker from the challenges that life always throws your way? Um, if it's a mantra, I. It's a really good question. I, one thing I've I've learned from, from, as you say, from all the setbacks is, um, what's the mantra? And that's not really a mantra. It's just it's it's just a it's a mindset for me. It's just mm. just get on with it. Um, 
and I know it's easy. To, I know it's, it's easy to say that. It's just you know, even with everyday life, you know, whether it's with with my with my wife or even with my kids or just the you know the, the littlest things that that seem to bother people just aren't worth worrying over. I don't know what it is. I don't know. There's yeah. no no real yeah. words for it. It's you know, and it's the same. It's the same as talk about the injury stuff. You have a roadblock or or a speed hump. You just you just get you get over it. Yeah. Or if yeah. you don't want to, then you don't. But that that sort of stuff I've you know that I'd learnt through the mental stuff through cricket I've taken hugely and I try and live by it most days where again you know if, if my wife stresses about something and, I'm, and we're talking about it, it's like do you know what babe don't don't worry mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, life's too short you know life's that's what I'm finding now is that you know I'm seeing friends with health problems or you hear these you know just people. That's what I was talking about earlier with the news. There's so much sad news around about people mm-hmm. passing away or whatever, and it's probably a little bit deep. But it's like, you know what? Tomorrow you could, who knows? You could <laughs> fall off the perch any day, and you might as well enjoy what you got, you know, and 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 live life to the max. Live live in perspective and reason, but you know, just 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 don't worry, don't stress about, it, you know, because again, through through the experiences with you know with cricket stuff. It's you know, and I saw I played with a lot of guys that would would either cop it from the media, cop it from the public, or do whatever. And and some some would get really oh my god, it, and it affect you know. I guess Mitch was a good example when he was struggling with stuff like that, where mm. you know it really got to him. And, and and but now if he like I said, you know, if he if four years on, if he had learned what he knew then back then, he, he probably would have just brushed it off the shoulder and not worry about it, you know. So yeah. you learn as you go. Um, but again, I just think I don't know. I try and live by it most days. Is just don't 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 stress too much about what what, what things. If, if something doesn't go right, something it's you know it's something something will come up or things are going to get better. You know, yeah. and um, so not you know, and sometimes it's not as easy as that. But it, that's that's the mentality I try and I live my you know most yeah. of my life by. And that's the beauty of life is like there are always going to be setbacks. That's just that life isn't a fairy tale, even though we always dream that it is. Um, so it is like what you said there. You get like you just got to got to get on with it because knowing that these setbacks come along, but if you yeah. do get on with it, there's there's a chance it's well there's a good chance at some stage it's going to turn around. You're gonna you know you're gonna see yeah. the the great side and the learnings from it. And that's yeah. that's always to me that's the exciting part of life is yeah. the, the learnings that you like you look back on and go and when a situation arises yeah you know, in the future you go well I've got I've experienced that and now yeah. you know now if I hadn't seen that downside I wouldn't appreciate this as much as you can but then the other the other side of it is being a parent and being a mentor like you are to these young young cricketers as well as as being a parent it's been able to help them learn from your your experiences as well yeah. and, that's, and that's that's also another exciting you know beautiful thing of life as well Exactly, and I was just just thinking that just as you said, parent. Then I, you know, I've got as you have two beautiful kids that can't, I can't afford to be, you know, showing. Well, I do show emotion at times, but you know, they, they're watching every move you make, and they're mm. they they're looking up to you, and you're their leader. You know, they and I and I, you know, that's something that is so great that um, you know that it, and and I enjoy every day. So you know, you, you as you say, every day you're teaching them. How to how to try and live and how to grow up and how to think and um, oh it's 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 great so that's that's the other thing as well like you, again it's not as it's not as easy as, as I probably say it but you've got to try and don't let the big things bother you because if if they do and you get in a rut the kids are gonna they're, they're gonna they're gonna see it and yeah. and yeah. get bad bad habits if you know depending on the way you react sometimes bad habits from it yeah 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 definitely.
you've met and been around some of the most successful people in the world. Um, is there uh, a person who has inspired you the most and, and why? Yeah, it's a really good question. You asked me this in the pre-chat. Um, oh, look, if it comes to cricket, I'd probably have to say Ricky Ricky Ponting was probably one that, um, you know, a guy that, um, you know, it, it, it can be daunting coming to an Australian team or Australian setup or cricket. And this is, I talk from my, from a cricket point of view, but, you know, someone who, a guy that you idolise and you look up to, um, and, and you always think, oh, what's he like? You know, what's he like? You know, and I and I remember going into bowl in South Australia to the to the Australian team all the time, and um, he was one as well as as well as many others would come up and have a chat and say good day. But to actually one day go and play and share a change room with him was was mate, it was fantastic. He takes you in, like you like I said, you know, like he knows you, he's known you for years. Um, so from a cricket point of view, um, you know, he, he'd probably be the one that. You know, I had the privilege of working with him only a few months ago in India. But again, but it, it gives you so much confidence. No matter what happens, yeah. this gives you so much confidence on the on the ground, and then even with 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 coaching side of things. I, I sort of my first time with Delhi Capitals just in the last few months. But just sitting back and just watching how he, I was really fascinated to see how he go with coaching compared to captaincy, and it's not much different. He just the, the confidence he instills in you. Nothing's nothing's the sky's the limit. There's nothing you can't do, and that's the, the message he gives you. And um, it was, it's, you know, so I've been very lucky to, to play and, and now work under him as a coach. But mm. so he's probably one. I guess the other one. Um, you're right. I, I'm hopeless at thinking of these things. But the other one is, I guess, my dad. <laughs> you got to think of my dad and my mum and dad. Mm. Uh, mum, obviously, we we lost a few years or probably 13 years ago now. But your parents, I think, are, are you know, as you say, we've met. So many great people, and and you know, know some really good people. But it, you always go back to your parents that are always the ones that that's where it starts. They inspire you in some sort of way, whether they're massive or, in my point of view, they are. They were cricket fans. Um, you know, they 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 get you to the. You know, it's the same old style story. They they start you. They they take you places when you're young. They get you to places where you have to be. You know, when and always when there's things not seen, you know, not quite right. There's you, you always speak to your parents, you know, and and now my dad, who um, we, we we butt heads a little bit now, dad, because he thinks he knows everything about cricket more than me, but um, <laughs> as he has done most of it, most of my career. But you know, he was the one that I always I, I didn't probably realise until after I'd finished. So I did. I spoke to him a lot about cricket more than I thought, and you know, he'd always give me a good perspective on it and. Um, so it always, you always, I think, you know, that dad's, dad's always, and, and my brother as well, who's, who's always been there, but your family, I think, are, again, no matter who you meet around the world, your family's, you know, so, so important. Um, yeah. and I, and again, I'm very lucky, very lucky to have a, a great, you know, family and, and even extended family. So I draw a lot from, from them, I guess that's probably the, yeah. Oh, again, I'm hopeless at remembering this stuff when I have met some fantastic people. Um, but yeah, you always go back to your family as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's amazing the you know, sacrifice that your parents make and the inspiration they do have you. Like my do give you. Like my my dad was exactly the same when it comes to the love of cricket. Um, and that just you know you can't help but get you know inspired by the passion and and um and the dedication yeah. that they have. Um, but going back to Ricky <laughs> as well. Look, there isn't. He's just he's just the best. There's there's no doubt, and that's why like I feel so crazily fortunate to have been able to have him captain me and and be a, like a mate for a long period of time as you said like he just he makes you believe that the sky's a limit yeah. even if you think that you're not you're not sure he just makes yeah. you like he sees things in you that you don't see in yourself 
And yeah. it's, a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing trainer. As you said there, like from a captain, cause I haven't worked under him really as a coach, but for me that, yeah. that would never surprise me because that's just the person he knows how to connect with everyone. So like, the his style is never going to change. Exactly. But the thing with that, he, he makes the effort and, and, and that to go and to know the person, to get yeah. to know the person. Um, and that was the best thing. I, I remember a tour of the West Indies, my first tour of the West Indies, which was, must be my second tour after New Zealand. Um, even in New Zealand, my family were there, so you never really got a time to spend a lot of time to spend the team. But the West Indies tour was just the players, obviously no no partners. And I think we had dinner as well as a few other players just about every night. And and the questions he just wants to know everything about it. So that's 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 really good. There's probably one other person, one other cricket person I should mention as well, Darren Lehman, who's another one. He's one that you know um, who I've grown up with virtually the whole cricketing career um, from playing at Salisbury. District Cricket Club in, in Adelaide, Northern Districts, who's who's pushed me as well. He, he's another one I probably should mention there. But those two guys, again, they, they, they're very similar in a way. They, well, they're very different people, but they're very similar when it comes to pushing you and, and and um, again, the sky's the limit, you know. If, mm. if, they, they see, if they see something in you, um, you know, the, the, the amount of, the amount of um, confidence they instill in you is amazing. But... Just, just going back to Ricky again, to, to, to be able to, to go, you know, to, to from my point of view, to be, well, a young bloke, a young guy on the team. I wasn't young, I was 30, but to come in and, and for him to sit down and want to know about me, that that, that blew me away. And that's why he's so good with people because that's what he does. Okay, final question, Rhino, and I really appreciate all your time and these incredible insights, right. mate. So, um Thank you so much. Um, I, I love reading books and watching like awesome documentaries as I'm always, I just, I love learning new things. Um, so can you give me a couple of like your favorite books or favorite documentaries that, um, that you've, um, that have had the most impact on you? Yeah, not, I'm not a huge reader. I haven't read a book now for a few years, so probably mm. not a book, but I, I do enjoy watching documentaries, things like the the last dance with Michael Jordan. I'm, I'm just about finished that. I know it's been out for a while now, but I, I love watching, other athletes um, and seeing what drove like top top level athletes, world class athletes. Well, you know what what drove them, how they how they went about things, and what they did. Mm. That yeah. for me is is um, well even now not with so much when I was playing I did I watched them, but even now with coaching, mm. how do I coach players to get the desire that the top players have? Um, the other one was um, Drive to Survive, which is the F one Formula mm. One stuff, you know. Again, those guys are, are freaks. They love speed. They love adrenaline. They're you know they're driving cars at three hundred plus. Okay, so what does it? What, how do they think and what do they do? So it's more about how can I get tips from them now or tips from all that to, to, to try and put into to athletes to try and you know I don't know find find how do they how do they given the will to drive or the drive to succeed? I guess mm. is what it is. So yeah, they're probably two that I've recently had a look at um, that. Yeah, so I, I try and find things. I'm not a huge watcher of of, of, of movies or like that, or, or like that. It's more about trying to find stuff now that, again, what I love. I just love knowing what athletes do and how they've done it. To be so, now Michael Jordan was was, you know, he he was. I mean, I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, but it, yeah, it, I have. It, 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 how driven was he? And and he had that team. You know, some people didn't like it, and that was that was the characters in the team, but. He must have done something well with the amount of championships they won, and and you know the brand he has and still has. Um, he was a pretty good person. So, 
yeah, that, those are probably the two that I've watched recently. But yeah, not a huge reader of books, unfortunately. I probably should should bury bury my head in a book at some stage, but I just um, I get too bored. <laughs> <laughs> That's why documentaries are so good. Yeah, so with the Jordan, the Last Dance, that was just to be able to see how you know, other people people push the limits um, to yeah. achieve incredible things is. You can't, you can't but get inspired, and then you know to be able to, um, you know, with with all your experiences about you know getting the best out of yourself and seeing you know some a lot of other world class athletes around you as well do that, to be able to put all those pieces together, to, together to be able to then you know, um, you know feed that onto the next generation is you know is incredibly yeah, special. And that's with the generation that we that that we. We'll talk about generation that we're dealing with now. They're not <laughs> the kids these days. I, I don't think they push themselves as hard as they probably should. Mm. Um, you know, and there's there's reasons for that. Who, who knows? But um, to 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 see how you know to sit down, and I think it's the best way of learning. As I said, then I, I think if you sit down and, and as a young kid and watch these, far out, do I have to work that hard? Is it is, is it that hard to get? You know, that's what that's the sort of stuff I want to I want to. You know, my athletes, the ones I wanted to see that and realise it, you know, it's not an easy road to get, as I said before, it's not an easy road to get to the top of, into the test cricket, Australian cricket, the men's cricket team or or um, soccer team or, or anything, you know, that's the top level. You've, you've got to work bloody hard to do it. And I think, you know, those documentaries are a great way of actually far out it's that hard. So, you know, I, I, I tell a lot of the kids that I, you know, even even do your podcasts, mate, I've, I've, I've told a lot of guys to go and listen to, um, you know, certain ones that far out. I was listening to. I think, geez, that's that's so good for young kids to hear. You know, mm. so um, yeah, it's that's great. Cool. Yeah. No <laughs> um, well, Rhino, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on this episode of Lessons Learned with the Greats. Uh, you have achieved so many incredible things on the cricket field during your career, and now we've all been so fortunate to hear these amazing insights that we all can learn from for the future. Thank you so much for sharing all of these experiences with us and we are all that much richer for digging deeper into the mind of one of the greats of world cricket. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Wado. It's been great, mate. Awesome. For more episodes of Lessons Learned with the Greats, head to t20stars.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.